know uh, the game F Mary Kill. Who would you? You pick three people. Yeah. Who would you? Who would yeah. you marry? Who would That's you right. Kill? Yeah. We're gonna play that right now. <laughs> okay. George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Alicia Silverstone. This is easy. I would kill George Clooney. Oh wow. Um, I would have sex with Alicia Silverstone. Uh huh. And I would marry Chris O'Donnell. And I bet he'd make you very happy. I think so. You like NCIS? <laughs> My favorite of the many hundreds of crime dramas. That's so interesting to me. That's not how I thought that was going to go. How would uh, you rank that one? You marry Clooney. He's a fucking multimillionaire. Kill Chris O'Donnell in a heartbeat. Just in a heartbeat, right away. You have Silverstone, you marry Clooney, and then, you know, he'll parade you around like one of his trophy wives. And then you just, you know. <laughs> I guess he only has one wife, but you know what I mean. I feel like Clooney feels way too high on himself. Like, I couldn't take him seriously. I feel like you could have a laugh, at least with Chris O'Donnell. And you know what could help Clooney with those feelings? Watching this fucking movie. <laughs> I'll take that win right out of his sales. Yeah. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And as I'm sure you know, since you're listening to us right now, we're talking about Batman and Robin today. What a piece of shit this thing is. Oh my God goodness as two probably giant batman nerds oh my god we were comparing who owns more batman graphic novels fucking like 30 minutes ago this is a fucking travesty it is not good and the, the nice thing at least is is over episodes are controversial we started the season back to the future part two that was a controversial choice there is no controversy about this this is widely considered to be a complete fucking disaster yeah it- including by george clooney himself Oh, maybe I made the wrong choice earlier. He recognizes that this is a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I actually saw an interview recently where he won't let his wife watch this movie (laughs) because he wants her to have respect for him. That's his exact quote. Well, that's fair because after watching it, I had zero respect for him. Yeah, it is real bad. And we are going to go through just all the ways in which it is. Uh, And to do that, I'm going to need to drink. So... (laughs) To relive it, even just to talk about it a second time. I I hadn't seen this since I saw it in theater for $2 and never thought I would see it again. Um, But, of course, this podcast brings me so many delightful moments. uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're back again. But I agree. I think we need this beer to to help us get it down. and, And I'm really excited for this one. Normally, I wouldn't be. But because this movie is so shitty, the fact that we're drinking a double IPA today, I'm like, fuck yes. Bring it on. Yeah, this is Black me out. Just get me out. get this out of my brain. Let's uh, just do it. What do we got? Uh, so we're drinking a beer called Master Bruce, uh, which is perfect for a Batman movie. It even has a sort of Gotham City skyline on the can. But instead of the bat symbol, it's... It's a giant W in there for Willibald. This is a fantastic craft brewery out of air ontario this is a very small town yeah this was released a couple months ago this beer i don't know if they still have it or not there it might be a limited time offering but you fucking love this brewery yeah i really really enjoyed myself so this is a brewery slash distillery stash farm uh where they grow a lot of their own resources and then they also distill their own liquors and make their own beers they also have a large restaurant and outdoor eating and drinking area it's really, really cool. Everything I've drank from Willibald, and I've had a lot of their beers now, they make a lot of double IPAs. It seems like that's kind of their trick. Like, they prefer that in the IPA range. So really excited to drink this again. If you have not and you can get access to Willibald beer, do yourself a favor and get some because highly recommended. So basically the exact opposite of this movie. Highly recommended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the most enjoyable part of this episode for us is definitely going to be the beer. Um, the and fact that I think you may be right 
And this is a double IPA. Tells you how fucking bad this movie is. Oh, it, it, it's a pile of horseshit. But we're doing it. So we open with the WB logo, which suddenly morphs into a frozen version of the Batman logo. And then that breaks, and we get like a fiery red sky. And I just wrote down, this is weird as shit already. Yeah, um... It's clear from the jump that the main character is almost not Batman, but Mr. Freeze. I think the main character is director Joel Schumacher, who's just fucking <laughs> imbibing this with all of his campy, uh, flamboyant sensibilities. Okay. Um, I'm not going to argue with you on that, but who gets first billing? Schwarzenegger. He's a much, much bigger star than George Clooney, which probably should have been a sign that maybe George Clooney wasn't the right choice for this role. Uh, either way, the credits show us the problems inherent in many superhero franchises. Just at a certain point, it's just more and more and more. They're just cramming people in here, which isn't going to be good for character development. But considering the next thing we see are a bunch of close-ups of Batman and Robin slapping on their spandex, complete with the nipples on the chest plates and a gratuitous close-up of George Clooney's rubber ass, I get the impression that this movie might be more concerned with style than substance. This is pretty close to a gear-up montage. Close enough that it got you excited? No. It is brutal. What are they trying to go for here? You've described it already as campy, mm-hmm. and it is this early in the film. Like, some of the first shots that I'm like, where are we going with this? Are they going for a classic Adam Westy campy-style Batman? And I'm kind of hopeful maybe that's true. I mean, if nothing else, they're clearly going for a colorful version of this, you know? And right on cue, we get a glow-in-the-dark Batmobile, a.k.a. the least practical stealth vehicle ever. <laughs> but, but man, chicks dig the Batmobile. They like cars. They throw out this line. I want a car. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. Um, and it is just face palmy. Yeah, we, this is the first line in the movie. <sighs> We're two minutes into this thing. This movie has lost all credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. It, it starts on a really bad note. And yeah. then we transition to Alfred, like a key part of the Batman franchise. Yeah, old ass Alfred. But he's looking not so good. He kind of looks like he's in pain. Something's going on here. Oh, yeah. Uh, He tells Batman and Robin to be careful. And then he starts, like, dying, I guess, just, like, right away. This is weird because very quickly it's setting a tone of campy. Then we try to connect with Alfred on some pain and sort of serious issues. As this movie goes along, we're going to get a really poor juxtaposition of those two things. Yeah, I mean, with Alfred, he's been, this this same actor has been Alfred in all of the Batman movies up to this point. So he's got some kind of like residual credibility they're really playing off of. They're trading off that. Like if he was a different actor and they were seeing him for the first time, no one's going to give a fuck that he's like old and sickly. But because like we've actually spent time with them, it actually kind of maybe causes you to invest a little. Side note here. Everything Chris O'Donnell says in this movie makes me want to punch him in the face. <laughs> Is it just me? It's not just me, right? Um, so I felt the delivery of all three of our heroes in this movie were just absolutely fucking horrendous. And I felt Clooney was more egregious than O'Donnell. Oh, is that why you didn't want to fucking marry him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. En route to a crime scene, George Clooney, Batman, gets an extremely monotone briefing from Commissioner Gordon. Gordon's got a ton of information that I guess Mr. Freeze just, like, told him or something. 
Uh, speaking of Mr. Freeze, we see Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Gotham Museum of History looking like a giant tube of toothpaste, <laughs> <laughs> cracking terrible puns uh, with a bunch of goons dressed like post-apocalyptic hockey players. They have skates and sticks and everything. This is already a hundred times worse than I remembered. I watched this movie in theater. We already kind of shared that. And I left feeling like it was fucking shit. Like I was upset at spending $2 on it when I went and saw it. What's funny though is I remember watching it back then and hating Schwarzenegger's role. I actually felt watching this again that some of his lines and delivery were probably the only things that stood up with your, this entire Your thing. appreciation for Arnold has grown over time. Admit it. Just like your appreciation uh, for IPAs, nope, my appreciation nope, for nope. Arnold is growing through this podcast. I am I am learning to appreciate both his delivery and timing and the way that he sort of emotes into things. So like both of us are growing, you and IPAs and me and Arnold love. Well, you're wrong about the IPAs, but you're not wrong about one thing. <laughs> this is real bad and it gets even worse. George Clooney arrives through the ceiling, introduces himself, because although everyone must know Batman, they have never actually met. Uh, Bruce Wayne is nothing if not formal, apparently. And then he slides down a fucking dinosaur to dropkick Mr. Freeze. And then we're going to get dinosaur puns later. But yes, so they're in a museum. We get this horrible slide on a dinosaur. It looks like they're trying to do like a cool kind of like parkour or snowboardy kind of moment. The music starts up and we start getting a fight with Mr. Freeze and his hockey goons and Batman and Robin. And it is horrible. This is where I'm like, they're throwing back to the Adam West era. This feels really like it should be out of there. But the Adam West era was better. Yeah. Like it, that was campy, but it fit the time. This doesn't fit the time. They also have this really strange like hockey goon shit where they start like hitting uh, a diamond around and they start. Oh, they're, they're on skates. They're on skates and they're going around. And as a Canadian, this is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> this is awful. It is bad. Now you mentioned the fact that Robin is there also. He actually breaks through a wall on his motorcycle. Did you notice the shape left behind when he smashed through this? I didn't. It was the fucking bat signal. Oh. How the fuck does him smashing through on a motorcycle make the bat signal? Did he have like both of his arms out holding two bows or something? What would cause that shape to happen? Perfectly formed. Fuck you, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> this is complete yeah. bullshit. Um, I don't know a lot about Joel Schumacher. What are some of the films he did sort of around this or before it or after it? Like, did he get any jobs after this? Because if he did, I would be really surprised. It seems like... He really shit the bed with this one. Oh, yeah. He directed fucking 8mm with Nicolas Cage. And then he directed the shitty Phantom of the Opera movie. Great stuff, Joel. Oh, my goodness. So he was struggling at that point. Fuck, I was struggling at every point during this movie. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the hockey fight scene. It's bullshit. Batman and Robin at one point activate their fucking bat skates by clicking their heels together like goddamn Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. During all this nonsense, Mr. Freeze grabs the giant diamond and takes off in a rocket ship. A fucking rocket ship. Hold on, hold on, wait a minute here. Did he build the fucking rocket ship in the middle of the museum? I'm going to clarify a couple points for you. But before I do, before he makes his exit, he says, what killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the Ice Age. The Ice Age. And then he blasts that giant dinosaur that Batman slid on it, and it crashes down and provides him space to make that exit. He actually climbs into his vehicle, the one that he used to break into the museum. He's got this very pointy sort of all-terrain vehicle. That can turn into a rocket. That has a rocket built into it. Yeah. Now, that part... Hold on. A rocket strong enough to not fly somewhere else, but to travel to space. 
the rocket is going to space. <laughs> I mean, we watched a movie pretty recently where they launched off to space in another questionable rocket. Flash Gordon. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this has very similar vibes to that. But uh, I would rather watch Flash Gordon every day for the rest of my life than watch Batman and Robin one more time. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Like, full disclosure. <laughs> well, you do, know. Do you, do you feel differently? No. <laughs> That's are right. you kidding you me? Flash Gordon was my first Crit 20. That movie right. is a, a fucking gem, right? Uh, I will forever be happy about watching Flash Gordon. Uh, watching this twice is enough. For any life. Well, right? well yeah. Mr. Freeze has the gem, the big one. He's on his rocket ship heading to space. Batman and Robin jump on it, and Batman even manages to get inside. But Freeze gets the drop on him and bails out with the diamond. Luckily, Robin is still hanging on, although when he pulls himself up into the rocket to save Batman, Batman is not exactly happy to see him. Their relationship in this is, like, strangely antagonistic. Yeah, they are really butting heads. It's at this point, like, as they take off in the rocket and they try to head up, we see some wire work. They're kind of shooting wires and getting pulled into different places. Like you'd see on, a, say, a Broadway musical? Yeah. Yeah. It gets really dancey or really floaty. It does not come off as action in any way. And it really adds to that campy vibe that you were describing before. Oh, yeah. Now, they need to blow up this shuttle, and they set a bat bomb to do it. And then they escape by surfing through the sky. They use the escape hatch doors as surfboards... And not only do they catch up to Mr. Freeze, but they just happen to find some buildings with slanted roofs to slide down. This is unbelievable. This is worse than the surfing scene in Die Another Day. Oh my God, by a hot mile. You have Chris O'Donnell screaming cowabunga as he flies out of a rocket ship on a door that looks like a fucking surfboard. The delivery of the lines between O'Donnell and Clooney are so bad. Not good, no. It made me start questioning whether everything was a one take. It was so bad, there's no way that was the best of a group of takes. Like, they were really running short on time, I think, when they made this, because most of the lines delivered by Clooney, O'Donnell, and Silverstone just drop so flat. That's why they call him One Take Shoemake. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that is his nickname. I don't think so. That'd be good. Uh, Mr. Freeze ends up escaping somehow after first freezing Robin. Stay cool, bird boy. And from there, we cut to like a greenhouse castle. This was like a castle in the middle of Europe, but it's also a greenhouse. Uh, aren't they in South America? I don't know. I, maybe. I, I uh, think they're in South America. We kind of okay. have like a crazy biologist woman. Yeah, it's Uma Thurman looking the worst she has ever looked ever. <laughs> I'm serious. Like uh. they did a good job of scuzzing her up and making her look frumpy. She's an insane botanist, and she's trying to use a chemical serum called venom to weaponize plants. Not so humans can use them as weapons, but so they can fight back against humans. She thinks that humans are the problem. I mean, her... Ahead of her time. Yeah, she yeah. was definitely ahead of her time. We are the cause of most of the Earth's problems. Right, let's not get too dour here. We're trying to fucking <laughs> entertain people with a yeah. beer and movie podcast. That's fair. Um, but you see where she's going with this line of thinking. So she's getting real dark real quick, but we're about to get even more dark. Yeah, because some other scientist is also experimenting with venom, only he's testing it on humans, not plants. Uh, it's a plan to create like a super soldier that he can sell to the highest bidder. And he's down to his last volunteer, a convicted murderer who, after having a whole tank of venom injected right into his brain, turns into the supervillain monster we know as Bane. Not like the brilliant intelligent one from the comics, but instead a mindless meathead who pretty much can only say his own name. So, well done, screenwriters. 
this is just horrific. It, it the bane in this has no kind of rational thought. It's more like uh, I guess we describe it like Frankenstein's monster, right? Like that's what it yeah. seems like to me in, in here. And very quickly, it sort of breaks free from where it was chained down when it was created and causes some problems for its creator, right? Yeah, before that happens, though, Uma Thurman sees all of this. And so the scientist uh, tries to kill her by pushing her into a table full of chemicals, which seems like the least efficient way of doing that. And sure enough, it does not work. Meanwhile, back at the Batcave, Batman and Robin watch the hilarious video footage of the accident that caused Mr. Freeze to need his Sub-Zero suit. <laughs> he's, he's standing in a control panel with his back to a giant tank of liquid nitrogen or something when the control panel shorts out and he falls backwards, all with like the classic Schwarzenegger total recall grunting, like the... It's just fucking... We, get a, we get a lot of the total recall face in this movie. Yeah, and, man. And I actually really enjoyed it. I'm happy we watched Total Recall oh, of course, as a mid season movie because it definitely set the tone for this for me i love that they call him a two-time uh decathlon in the olympics and a nobel <laughs> prize winning biologist oh for sure man so we're, we're not dealing with some like schmuck here this is like one of the best athletes and best minds in the world here with dr freeze after this happens batman and robin argue some more and alfred lets bruce wayne and the audience know that he's not going to be around forever then we get a flashback showing how much he means to Batman because he picked him up off the floor one time when he fell down. They're just fucking checking boxes at this point. Like, you know. It's really bad. I wrote in my notes that I'm not buying any of this forced family bullshit. Yeah, that's like, fair. It is awful. Um, all of the acting when they're not in their suits is actually worse than the poor line delivery and action when they're in them. And that's saying a lot because it's really bad. You'd think it would be the opposite, right? Like being in the suits, you'd have to act a certain way. Like they should be able to show more personality out of the suits, but you're right. They do not. We're back at the, the South American science lab now. While the mad scientist celebrates closing his Bane deal with an unnamed bidder, Uma Thurman rises from the grave. Like literally, she comes up out of the ground only now, she's A, a redhead, B, full of venom, and C, she's talking like a lady from the 1920s. Oh, better pack your bags, Bane, darling. We've got a plane to catch. She sounds kind of like, like Catherine Hepburn. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And you know what adds to that is every time she speaks from now on, there is fucking jazz saxophone playing in the background. <laughs> Literally the music every single of the time. Yeah, yeah it, it's a lot. I'm voting for Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> Careless Whisper starts up and starts playing behind her. <laughs> yeah. While this is going on, what is Mr. Freeze up to? He's forcing his goons to sing Christmas carols. I hope this fucking guy's better at crime than he's at conducting because these singers are terrible. But I will say this. He's doing one thing right because he's got Vivica A. Fox on his arm. <laughs> well, she wants to be, and she offers to heat up his loins, I think, or something similar to those effects. But he tells her that he is a one-woman man and has, like, sort of nothing left after his love for his uh, cryogenically frozen wife. Yeah, so I wrote this down at the time because as soon as Vivica shows up, I was like, wait, wasn't Mr. Freeze's whole deal that he's trying to cure his sick wife? And apparently, yes, because he's got her in a tank in the back of his hideout. But then what the fuck is Vivica A. Fox doing there? Looking good. That's so, <laughs> um, 
it was interesting because he was so cold on this. I we get another movie where Arnold is super dedicated to staying faithful to a dead wife. Right. Ah. This to me brings me back to uh, Conan the Destroyer. Right when yeah. he he was super faithful to a a long gone wife. He could have solved the entire movie by having sex with a virgin, but instead he was. Well, who is he? Fucking Michael Caine and blame it on Rio. Yeah. No, come on. <laughs> he's got he's got morals. Come on now. Yeah, Michael Caine could have solved that fantasy movie in a second. <laughs> He would have in a heartbeat, yeah. No problem. Oh, my uh, Back goodness. at Wayne Manor, the doorbell rings, and Alfred, inching ever closer to death, doesn't answer the door, which is the first time it's happened in 30 years. But Bruce Wayne, allegedly the world's greatest detective, doesn't notice. It's Alicia Silverstone at the door, playing the never-before-mentioned role of Alfred's niece. She's direct from England, but has no English accent whatsoever, and also is like 70 years younger than him, so I feel like niece might be a bit of a stretch. There are just red flags all around this character. <laughs> I wonder if there are some takes of her trying British accents and they just went really poorly. I would love to I see I was going to say, updates. it might have been a good move in hindsight, yeah. because based on the caliber of acting we get from her later in this movie, it, you know, who knows. Yeah, we know very quickly that she's going to be more than she appears to be. Every action scene and every time we see Batman and Robin or anyone like that, it's cheesy as fuck. Oh, it right? really is. Right? Yeah, for really, sure. really bad. And then we're getting more of this building of drama when they are in their non-superhero persona. And this is not working for me at all. I believe, man. Uh, Bruce Wayne invites her to stay, and you can practically see the wheels start turning in Robin's head as she tries to figure out how he can bang her without Batman or Alfred noticing. Little do they know, as you mentioned, Alicia Silverstone is hiding a secret. And that secret... She's a terrible actress. That's not a secret at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, she's up to something. As, as she sneaks out of the house later after tucking in her uncle, which is just fucking weird. You know who else is up to something? Poison Ivy, who's being chauffeured around town by Bane, but wearing a fedora over his luchador mask so as to not arouse suspicion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have an interjection here. Um, it, it's nice that uh, all that Alicia Silverstone did when she tucked in her uncle was uh, put him to bed because uh, that's not what happened in Blame It on Rio. We're clearly still traumatized from Blame It on Rio, which happened like fucking three weeks ago, but it's stuck with both of us. Yeah, what a fucking disaster. Oh my God, oh this is a bad time. Poison Ivy's plan is to break into a Bruce Wayne press conference and try and get him to direct all of his research funding to saving the planet, even if it costs hundreds of thousands of human lives. Acceptable losses, she says. He invites her to a fundraiser for the Botanical Gardens. They're auctioning off a rare diamond, see? And now she really starts scheming. I like Uma Thurman. I'm a huge fan of the Kill Bill movies. This does not happen for her. I was trying to figure out if it was Uma or if it was the writing. And, and I'm going to blame the writing because I, I have faith in Uma Thurman. Um, but it, it's really bad. When we switch back to Freeze, I start trying to ask questions about, do I like the Mr. Freeze makeup? Like, do I like the sparkly thing? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Like, for a moment, I was like, this is kind of... No, it sucks. He's spiraling really badly. As he watches old video footage of him and his wife, one of his henchmen comes to let him know about the fundraiser. And although Freeze is interested, this henchman gets frozen for his trouble. When he freezes his goon when he's watching this, he throws out almost a fourth wall breaking comment. I hate when people talk during the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's when he... And, 
it's kind of weird, right? Like that's this- a stage play thing too, though. Talking to the audience, like from the fucking stage, Joel Schumacher is directing this. Like it's a goddamn play and not a movie. You're right. And this isn't the only time that this happens in the movie. Like this is going to happen more than once. So it's interesting. He he's going through this dark time. Mr. Freeze is thinking about the past and he freezes someone, even though he has the key information he needs to finish his global freezing device. Well, and even though Vivica A. Fox is right there. Move on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, other women are going to come up to him, too, and and offer him the world, but uh, he's stuck. This is all building towards this fundraiser, and it's a jungle-themed affair, complete with tribal dancers, people in gorilla suits, and some sort of bachelorette auction. Uh, One of the gorillas interrupts this by seductively removing its costume to reveal Uma Thurman, who somehow hypnotizes the men in the room, including Batman and Robin, with her pheromones. This party is fucked. The entire thing is super problematic. You don't like old, rich, white men bidding on uh, ladies that they're going to almost certainly, like, later against their will yeah no that part the fucking racist tribal costumes and dancing i was happy when poison ivy showed up to break this shit up and this is where she introduces herself as poison ivy and enters the bachelorette auction which quickly gets out of hand as batman and robin each raise each other several million dollars one million dollars two million you don't have it Three million. I'll borrow it from you. Four million. This all ends with Batman pulling out a credit card with a cash register noise. The name on the card says Batman, the expiry date, forever. Boo. And then he says, never leave the cave without it. Boo. <laughs> this movie sucks. I was shouting at the fucking screen. when That's he so bad. When he pulled out that fucking credit card, I was incredulous. I was losing my mind. I was like, are you fucking kidding me yeah how's poison ivy gonna swipe that credit card right through her (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to think of a sexual plant part but i couldn't come up with it well lucky for you mr freeze arrives just then and tells everyone to chill he's there for the diamonds obviously and as batman knocks his freeze gun out of his hands for like the seventh fucking time I'm like, maybe build a gun that attaches to your suit, Freeze. I'm just thinking out loud here. We get into another fucking cheesy as fuck brawl. They're dance fighting. They are. They're fucking dance fighting. Yeah, this is choreographed. It does not look like... I mean, there's no way that George Clooney can fight. We know that. The man is not a fighter. I've never met him. I would take my chances. If it was like... George, I had to beat up George Clooney to survive. I'm like, you know what? Let's make plans for tomorrow because I'm going to still be alive. <laughs> and I think that's fair. I, I don't think George Clooney is tough. He's never going to hear this. But it, it if he heard this and wants to challenge us Hey, come it, to Canada, George. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not. <laughs> He's probably too comfortable with his wife and many millions of dollars, but that's okay. You could have been his wife and you passed. Yeah, I don't want any of that. I I, I Chris O'Donnell, (laughs) like an idiot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Really? Out of all three of those, I think it's the best choice. That's the worst choice. Mr. Freeze ends up grabbing the diamond from Poison Ivy while Batman and Robin engage in another fucking terrible fight scene, like you said, and then escapes after saying, cool party. You think Mr. Freeze has someone on staff to, like, write all of these, like, cold puns? Like, is there, is there have a guy, one of his goons in charge of that, like, making material? No, man. He's a fucking biologist genius. He's all also competed in two Olympics as a decathlon. That guy can come up with quips like it's no tomorrow. Well, apparently, Kane's got fucking 8,000 of them. Batman and Robin chase him by driving their cars along the world's biggest statue. 
What is this fucking statue? They end up jumping from the arm to the roof of a skyscraper. How fucking big is this thing? It's this giant building that also houses the observatory at the top, and it's fucked up. This car chase scene makes zero sense. Um, and this is also where we get another Batman versus Robin like power struggle. Dick measuring contest. Just say it. It, it is definitely a dick measuring contest. We they, know they have one on the statue. They have one back in the cave in a couple minutes. Yeah, we know Batman's in charge, and he's trying to protect Robin we think but uh, Dick Grayson wants none of this no but you know what he's got to eat it for now they end up catching Mr. Freeze while this is happening Alfred records his brother Wilfred an urgent message on Laserdisc no I'm just kidding it's on CD-ROM Ah, 97. What a year. Bruce Wayne interrupts him looking for guidance and also to have another mini flashback. And it seems like he might finally be realizing that Alfred is not long for this world. There's a lot that happens through this section and most of it is fucking garbage. There's no way that Clooney could land on Arnold and you're, Arnold would not be able to get up. You're so anti-George Clooney. I have this for the ending uh, ending conversation of this episode. Bennett? Yes. We, we're going to get into this because... Richter? Uh, yeah. This Clooney? is coming up. It's, he is going on the name of lists of people who cannot fucking touch Arnold. <laughs> this is fucking garbage. Yeah. And then we get sort of the Batman and Robin argument and that's super lame and then we also get a Robin Silverstone boring kind of interaction and yeah there's a brief scene where she returns to Wayne Manor and all of this is just not cool it's not but you know what is cool Mr. Freeze's yeah. cell in Arkham Asylum where we cut to next he's in a special cold room but Poison Ivy is still roaming free along with Bane in disguise, looking like where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? This fucking trench coat and hat that Bane is wearing is ridiculous. He has a fucking mask on his face. Anyone who sees his face would know right away who it is. No, it's, it's the Carmen. worst disguise in the it's, world. It's amazing. I love Bane here. Um, I like how um, how Mr. Freeze tries to escape from his cell in Arkham, but as soon as he gets away from the cold air that's provided through a hole in the ceiling, he starts to choke and do his infamous, like, Arnold face. This Total Recall again. Yeah, yeah, he's he on Mars. Does, yeah. He definitely gets into his Total Recall face again, and the, the guards laugh at him, and we know that this is a mistake. Anytime you laugh at a villain and you are a, like, secondary character, you're fucked. Well, did you notice who one of the guards was? No. Jesse the Body Ventura. Really? That's right. Star of The Running Man, Predator, and apparently Batman and Robin. He wasn't the one with the eye patch, was he? No, he was the other one. Okay, yeah. so he's the other one. I did notice the guy with the eye patch, and that's why I didn't connect. But I think he's from Beer Fest, but I could be wrong. Uh, Maybe a little too young for that. Okay. But, all right. All right. Um, back to Poison Ivy and Bane. They enter a closed down Turkish bath and quickly displace some kind of like day glow gang. After Bane does a little <laughs> demolition work, Poison Ivy's got herself a new hideout. She fights basically a glow stick gang. Yeah, like all they're, all, they're all dudes, seriously. They're all in this crazy glow uh, getup. And then there's this really weird part where Bane stomps his foot through the ground and she drops some stones, which apparently are seeds. And they Magic seeds. Magic seeds. And they grow this giant sort of layer for her. Uh, it's date night back at Wayne Manor. And Elle McPherson tells Bruce Wayne she wants to settle down. George Clooney tries to tell her he's not the marrying kind, and this quickly turns into a who acted at worst competition. <laughs> um, in this romantic Bruce Wayne scene, I start to question why is there so much romance? I mean, Bruce has always kind of had love interests in the movies, but I never remember th this much of it, and I'm wondering if this is a Clooney effect. Like, Clooney was very popular with women, obviously, and I'm wondering if 
the reason why they're adding so much of this is so that this movie appeals to women more. Fuck, you are so anti-Clooney, eh? You are just coming out hard against George in this movie. Worst casting decision in oh, the entire movie. The worst Batman. Everyone knows he's the worst Batman. There's but no, not, not he just, even knows it. He not just it. worst Batman, worst casting decision in this movie. I mean, Chris O'Donnell's in the movie, so I have to disagree with you on principle, but other than that, uh, it turns out Bruce Wayne has poison ivy on the brain. Those pheromones must have really done a number on him, and so does Robin, who is busy Google-stalking her when a silent alarm triggers in the garage. It's Alicia Silverstone sneaking out again. He follows her and finds Coolio? <laughs> I wrote this down. We're going to sort of a rundown area of Gotham, and we're now going to get some underground motorcycle races yeah it turns out she's street racing what is happening right now we knew there was more to this character i didn't know that her depth was street racing in underground motorcycle races she's an adrenaline junkie this scene is a complete waste of time and it ends with her nearly flying off a bridge but robin saves her back at the mansion uh silverstone breaks the news to robin that alfred is sick not sick says george clooney stepping out of the shadows but dying and rather than let the gravity of this moment set in, we get an immediate cut to Arkham Asylum where Mr. Freeze gets a visit from his sister. It's Poison Ivy, and clearly the security in this asylum isn't worth a fucking shit. For a prison that houses the most dangerous people in all of Gotham City, they do not have very capable people trying to protect it. Oh my god, not even a little bit. After killing the two guards, she suggests they team up while Bane grabs Freeze's suit from the evidence lockup, which also features the Riddler and Two-Face costumes from Batman Forever. Did you notice that? I did notice. I actually like that lockup scene. So the suit gets back to Mr. Freeze and he makes kind of a hilarious laundry joke. Yeah, he suits up and then after giving the audience some good homeowner's advice, always winterize your pipes. <laughs> <laughs> they blow a hole in the wall and do a fucking fugitive jump from a height that surely would have killed them all. He also, while doing that, praises Bane and makes a meatloaf joke, which I think is a throwback to Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't know if someone was... Joel Schumacher? You Joel think Joel Schumacher likes musicals? I think maybe, based on the action that we saw on this bad boy. Batman and Robin go investigating, and while they examine Freeze's lab, they also tell each other how they're both definitely no longer obsessed with Poison Ivy. <laughs> Well, I'm totally over, all right? Positively. Me too, definitely. Great stems, though. Buds, too. Yeah, those are nice. If these screenwriters ever worked again, the studio who hired them should be ashamed of themselves. They are fucking horrible. They, they kept bouncing from cheesy-as-fuck action scenes with nipples and sound effects, and then very serious, but nobody can believe, like, family drama. You're not wrong. This thing's all over the place, and not in a good way. Anyway, Poison Ivy and Freeze are also at the lab, and while he goes to retrieve his tech, she lures Batman and Robin down to the basement where Bane is waiting to throw them around like Swamp Thing. It's a pretty accurate comparison because, for some reason, Bane is green now. Did you notice that? He's fucking green. Yeah, that poison that's running through his veins is starting to turn his body into different colors. They basically just puffed up a suit of air in a scrawny guy, and they're having him chuck around Batman and Robin, and... It's worse than most of the other action scenes in this movie, which is saying a lot. It's about this time I start looking at the time left on this DVD. It was this time? I looked several times before this. I have made a habit of trying not to do that in the movies you watch because that's something that could happen almost in every movie. And I try my best not to look, but this one I was really fighting. It's tough, man. This is a tough scene to get through. Batman and Robin are holding him off, so Ivy tries to interject herself. And although it seemed for a minute like maybe Batman and Robin were immune to her charms, they end up going at each other, and Robin stomps off, declaring that he's going solo. So now I know how it felt when Loggins and Messina broke up. <laughs> 
So the only thing stuck in my brain right now is some great jazz sax. It's just, it's still going. Every time she talks. Every time yeah. she talks, it comes out. And, and I can't think of anything else. Um, <laughs> we see her continue some of what she's doing by kicking the electrical cord that attaches to Frieza's wife's cryo chamber. Yeah, but that's just to get him to bring in a new ice age, which would allow her to play the role of Mother Nature and rule the world with her mutant plants. We get a look at one of these mutant plants, and this is one of the shittiest creature effects we've ever seen. It looks like a really poor or miniature version of the Little Shop of Horrors plant. Oh my god, absolutely, yes. And that movie is hilarious. That's that's a good movie, but uh, this one, not not so much. I'd rather watch that movie every day for the rest of my life than watch this movie one more fucking time. <laughs> How many times have you said that so far? Twice? Name a movie. I bet I'll choose that option every yeah, single time. every single time. This has got to be one of the worst. Coincidence time. Oh, no. It turns out that the reason Alfred is dying isn't that he's 150 years old, but that because he has McGregor syndrome, the same disease that Mr. Freeze's wife had. Is this made up? McGregor syndrome? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. Uh, <laughs> but this means that if Batman and Robin can stop sniping at each other long enough to find Freeze and get his research, they just might be able to save him. Meanwhile, Alicia Silverstone has a mission of her own to find Uncle Alfred's brother and deliver his disc of secrets. And his she, brother, Wilfred. His brother, Wilfred. Who Creative is, naming. Who well is, done, screenwriters, again. <laughs> She's like, well, I'm the next best thing. I'm a relative. I can open this up. And so she picks the lock and takes out that laser disc, uh, which is actually just a CD, and puts it in and has to figure out the password to get all of this information. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Is just the fucking nickname that he used to have for her mother. It's a shortened version of her first name. All of Batman's fucking secrets, all of his secrets are encrypted with the password P-E-G. <laughs> Peg. Peg. Short for Margaret. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, it's a weird shortening for sure, but I think it was pretty common back yeah, in the day. Yeah, I mean, they just would go with yeah. it. Uh, like, it had something to do with the way she... But Oh, uh, no. <laughs> what on earth? You can't sit out the whole Blade Matter episode and come with this fucking hard-ass shit right now. Yeah, well, I will. Um, <laughs> I was like almost distraught that this was the password that was protecting the full like Bruce Wayne Batman yeah. entity. Like this is shocking. We are in an age where like digital security is important and you need to have a password that does something. But in 97, nobody knew that. I'm impressed that a nine-year-old man can even fucking turn a computer on and make this disc. Come on now. Everyone would have just written password as their password at that time. One, two, three, four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get a bunch of quick scenes now. Bruce Wayne has to attend the unveiling of a new satellite or something, which Poison Ivy infiltrates. She gets Commissioner Gordon to give her access to the bat signal and then has Bane lifted up in the air. Or something. We find out later what he does, but in the moment, all he does is lift it, and everyone reacts like it's a big fucking deal. Well, he uh, ripped he ripped it out of the ground. I mean, you got to be strong. Yeah, but he just holds it up. Like, what the... He fucking, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Bruce Wayne returns to Wayne Manor to tell Alfred he loves him and have yet another mini flashback, and he even gives him a fucking cheek kiss. I really hope uh, McGregor syndrome isn't contagious, or else, uh, you know, Batman's in a little bit of trouble. Just because Batman made out with Alfred doesn't mean he's going to pass along the, like, strange disease that he's captured. Here's how I can tell you're getting bored with this fucking movie. You're just making shit up now. That's, what, that's where we're at. It is so bad. This We'll get to ratings as soon as we get through this. Let's get through the rest it, of it. We're going to get there, but this has got to be one of the worst things we've seen on this It's podcast. not good, man. Uh, it turns out the whole thing Poison Ivy is doing with the bat signal was swapping it out for a Robin signal as yet another way to churn up animosity between Batman and Robin. But there's one thing she didn't plan on. 
George Clooney's ability to give a rousing speech. So I'm asking you, friend, partner, brother, will you trust me now? And just like that, they're back on the same page. Admit it. You've been anti-Clooney this whole time, but that speech, it won you over, didn't it? This speech was garbage along with every other delivery that Clooney and or O'Donnell shared in this entire fucking movie. The only man who pulls off any lines in this movie is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I mean, I won't fight you on Arnold being great because he is, although this is maybe his worst performance ever. Oh my God. You're going to claim this is his worst performance ever? Name a worse one. I dare you. What's the strange movie where hell comes to like real life and he's in a End train. of Days? Yes. I'd rather watch End of Days every day for the rest of my life than watch this fucking movie again. <laughs> it, but, I but, stand by this. But You can't think of a movie that I wouldn't. I would watch Blame It on Rio every day for the rest of my life and watch this <laughs> shit again. This movie is awful. Okay, I'm not saying that this movie is better than End of Days, but as an Arnold performance, I feel like he's maybe better than this in some of the other movies. Well, he's making more jokes in this for sure than he is in End of Days. And they're the only ones that land in this entire movie. Maybe what this is is because the whole movie is such a pile of horseshit, the only thing that kind of stands up is Arnold's deliveries. Here's some good news. Not only are Batman and Robin finally on the same page, but Alicia Silverstone has found her way into the Batcave where a virtual Alfred tells her he saw all of this coming and even made a suit for her. So now she's on the team. What the fuck? Ah! Yeah. They fucking blow this fucking gear up montage again. <laughs> Just teasing it's, you. It's horrible. I'm so angry. Did her suit have nipples? I actually didn't notice. No. So we're throwing nipples on the male suit. But no, the no, female no. Suit hang on. I'm going to fight nipples. you on this. And I, God help me. I'm surprised I'm defending anything about this. But lest Joel Schumacher be accused of only objectifying dudes... We do get a lingering close-up of Alicia Silverstone's ass in the bat suit and a direct shot of her So on that note, is it a plus one for you or? <laughs> oh, the t- stuff comes Maybe up there's again. no yeah. nipple. There's no nipples on the suit, no, but they still no, show no. them up close. How can you throw those weird nipples on the suit for the male characters and not for the female? Because Alicia Silverstone isn't just there to be Batgirl. She's there to make a political statement that she makes in just a few minutes. If you're going to put nipples on the male suit, they should be on all the suits. This is what I'm saying. It is, it is just as legitimate for men or women to go topless. Both are legal. It should be fine wherever. Why are we drawing this in this time? Anyway, it's a good thing this bat team is at full strength because Mr. Freeze has taken over a giant telescope and transformed it into an ice cannon that he's going to unleash on the city. They discover this by sending Robert into Poison Ivy's lair armed with the most diabolical weapon of all, rubber lips. <laughs> <laughs> he lets Poison Ivy kiss him where she thinks it's going to take yeah. him down. The fact that him just putting on like these small like latex or rubber lips and they don't kill him is garbage. He, he peels them off and they are very thin. But don't worry because all she needs to do is sh- like give him a small shove and he falls into a bunch of water that he can not get out of again. Well, Before this happens, though, she does tell him the whole plan, believing that he's a dead man. But this has all been a trap set by Batman. Not a very well thought out one, though, because her plants immediately grab Batman. But then Batgirl to the rescue. She arrives, lectures Poison Ivy on using her looks to get what she wants and then kicks Ivy into her own giant Venus flytrap, which I assumed killed her, but we find out later that it's not the case because no one dies in this bullshit fucking movie. 
after this scene, we have like all of them throw out many, many lines, and I'm trying to decide which person delivered it worst. Okay, so I I need to jump in here because this part fucking killed me. Even though Alicia Silverstone is clearly Alicia Silverstone, is not even hiding her identity a little bit. Her 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 costume is like a tiny mask, mm-hmm. which covers like only her eyes. You can tell it's her and a suit without nipples. For some <laughs> for some reason. Batman says to her, and you are, when she says Batgirl, he mentions how that isn't very PC and maybe it should be Batperson. And I'm like, he's just fucking with her, right? He's got to be just fucking with her. And the like, and you are is meant to be like a how dare you rip off my costume kind of thing. But if it is, she definitely doesn't realize it because she says, Bruce, it's me, Barbara. I found the Batcave. Like, no shit. <laughs> either either Batman is the dumbest motherfucker on earth and actually didn't recognize her, or she's the dumbest motherfucker on earth for thinking that her costume is fooling anybody. This scene is fucking atrocious. So, I'm going to throw the question out here. Who acted it worse? It's Silverstone. Yeah. Silverstone acted it worse. She's you're, you're so right. bad in this. Her delivery is outrageous. Like there's a reason no one heard from her for 15 years after this movie, and this movie is the reason why. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Nobody does a good job. Like they no. they're all at fault for just being garbage. This is just trying to get money. They're throwing some big yep. names in there. They're trying to kind of pay homage to the like kitschy kind of Batman, yes. but do it in a very, very poor way. They're not doing it well. Um, it's time to stop, Mr. Freeze, and hopefully end this fucking movie. Uh, everyone gets new suits and more gadgets. There's like an ice car, some sort of hovercraft, and Batgirl also has her own motorcycle. So clearly virtual Alfred has been working real hard to fucking get everything ready for her. From there, they sneak into the observatory where Freeze has abandoned his ice cannon for some reason and make a plan to use the awesome power of sunlight to thaw out the city. Not just any sunlight, sunlight from the Congo, relayed through a series of satellites. That hot Congo sun. It is hot, I hear. Right then, Freeze pops up out of nowhere, and Robin and Batgirl nearly bite it before she saves him in a hilarious role reversal. Bane is waiting for them, though, which seems like it might be a problem, but then they just pull out the tube, pumping him full of venom, and not only does he drop like a stone, but he shrivels back up into the skinny guy he was before. Now, I'm no scientist. <laughs> it wasn't muscle mass. It was poison air that was filling his body, apparently. Um, it's hilarious that it's such a flimsy hose that they can pull out <laughs> from the back of his head. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding? The Bane character in this is so bad. He's Just useless. Absolutely useless. But, I mean, you can't have quality evil villains to stand up to the superheroes presented in this movie. I was going to say not in this movie for sure. Batman and Freeze are fighting on the telescope platform, and after a bit of back and forth, George Clooney hits what might be the best one-liner of this movie. And to be clear, that's not saying much. He says, hey, Freeze, the heat is on. (laughs) And he knocks him off the platform. But Freeze has another trick up his sleeve. He's rigged the platform with explosives. Clooney action hero dives out of the way, but the explosion causes the platform, the telescope, Freeze, Batman, and two friendly scientists to fall out of the observatory towards what would be their deaths. Batman saves the scientists, obviously, and then Batgirl, after quickly shitting on the patriarchy, uses her superior computer skills to reroute the satellites and unfreeze the city. And I'm just like, great, let's get this over with. There is a lot that just happened. The jump to save these two scientists falling from that ridiculous building is ludicrous. And the ending here is is just so bad. Well, it's bad and it's confusing because somehow Mr. Freeze is still alive after all of this. 
And Batman like makes a deal with him. If he shows Batman how to cure McGregor syndrome stage one, he'll make sure Freeze can continue his research at Arkham with his wife, who Batman apparently saved at some point. This came out of nowhere. Yeah, so Batman found a way to save her. And he did this, I think, strategically because he knew that Mr. Freeze was an expert on McGregor syndrome. And why is this important to Batman? To save Alfred, of course. They've got a deal. Apparently, Poison Ivy's also still alive. And this part kills me. The geniuses at Arkham Asylum put Mr. Freeze in the same cell as her with his suit where he will definitely kill her. Mr. Freeze had basically frozen the city and they go through these series of just pathetic shots of the unfreezing of the city. Oh, it, yeah, they're real bad. It, yeah. There's like a police car that opens and we've got these like fiberglass plastic pieces of ice pulling apart. It's worse than Willy Wonka. It feels Willy Wonka-esque, like the original movie, which was made like decades before, but yep. the effects are so much worse. Like, I am really, really upset at this point. I don't blame you. I feel the same way. Uh, we do get a happy ending, though, back at Wayne Manor, as thanks to Mr. Freeze's treatment, Alfred is on his feet and moving around with all the vim and vigor of a 92-year-old. He's back. <laughs> you are really aging Alfred here. He's yeah. old as fuck. Uh, Batman and Robin reaffirm their partnership and Silverstone announces that this is now officially a thruple and the movie ends with the three of them in silhouette running towards the camera. Much like people in 1997 ran away from the theater after being forced to sit through this horse shit. They I'm put- including myself in that. <laughs> I couldn't get to my car fast enough. Give me the fuck out of here. Uh, it, was, it was so bad. I, I hate that they put their hands on top of each other in kind of like a solidarity or race Batman on three chair. like come yeah. on yeah oh it was incredibly bad uh, it was so cheesy so forced so unnecessary this movie fails in pretty much every possible aspect you know what let's score right to the ratings because we've spent enough time talking about this giant turd we always do this on a scale of one to ten we do it twice one to ten for how bad it is one to ten for how enjoyable and the goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scalers we call it a Crit 20. And I'll tell you right now, it's in play for me because this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. They took a successful franchise and just murdered it with bad casting, bad writing, terrible set design, terrible costumes, terrible staging. Everything about this is bad. It's awful. No one should have to watch this. 10 bad. It's a fucking 10 bad. This is the worst fucking Batman movie ever made. I wrote in my notes, I just can't. They've ruined gear up montages. Oh, that's a big hit for you. I cried. <laughs> <laughs> the lines, the acting, the fact that they would only take one shot of every delivery. And you can't prove that. You it, can't prove that, that happened. It, if we judged each and every one of those actors on this performance, they would have never made another film. I'm going to interrupt you for one second because I think this might be the best that Chris O'Donnell can do. And the fact that he isn't (laughs) in movies anymore, he's doing NCIS fucking Los Angeles or whatever, I think that proves this is what exposed him. They're like, oh, this guy can't act. Get him out of here. The only person who has a performance here that's worth mentioning is Arnold. I thought you were going to say Alfred for a second. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Come on, man. Oh, I wish I did. Um, Uh, Vivica Fox is pretty good. Let's all just calm down. So this movie sucks. We we know it sucks. It's so bad. It's a yeah. ten bad. How enjoyable for you in a scale go. of one to ten? It didn't bring a lot to the. Yeah, it didn't. Moment. You're right. It what do you got? I'm trying to think about how I compare it to other movies we've watched, and and he, here's where we're going with it. It was a three. <laughs> you're 
you are very generous. Do you want to elaborate on that or no? Can I just go right to mine? Well, it's still a Batman film. It still has characters from Batman movies. Now, hang on. It's still a Batman film. If they shit all over the thing you love, can you just write it off as like, well, it is still this. I think three. His suit has nipples. (laughs) You're right. It's a fucking one. Oh, let's give it a one. Jesus. It's going down to one. It is a 10 bad and a one enjoyable. Um, This movie (laughs) fucking sucks. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing that makes it stop being a zero enjoyable is some of the Arnold faces and no, no, deliveries. No, the only thing that stops is we don't have a zero on our scale. No, no, our no, scale no, is no, one no, to no. ten. I understand that. But what I'm saying is this movie is so bad it could break our scale. Yeah, and you know what? I This is one of those rare times where we have the exact same ratings because I also have it as one enjoyable. It's so fucking bad. It is not even a little bit enjoyable. If our scale went to zero, I would give it a zero. I don't know what the fuck Warner Brothers was thinking letting this out into the world. Like, I get it. You've had success. You've made money in the last three. Yeah, you know what? They made money off this one. But, like, guys, come on. Have some fucking self-respect. The fact that George Clooney has had a career, that guy must have a horseshoe so far up his fucking ass. Yeah, I feel like you have underrepresented him in the uh, guise of this movie. God damn, this is bad. (laughs) If I have children who are like, can we watch Batman and Robin? I'm going to be like, Fuck you, children. No. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It, and speaking it, of bad. It's horrible. Speaking of bad. Don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. I know you love Willibald, but this beer is delicious. I can't. I can't drink this beer. It's got all that IPA flavor. It's fucking hop forward. It's all that. It's all the shit I don't like. Oh, see, that's that's what fucked you up. I think you, you've been drinking too many lagers lately. This double IPA was delicious. It was stronger than some of the other double IPAs that we've drank lately, so I understand why it made an impact, right? Like, I feel that. But uh, I I love Willibald. Anything they put out, beer Dude, and or other, I'm happy. I, I, know I, I had a great time at their brewery. I, they had made a beer, uh, Party Light Lager. Yeah, Fucking delicious. loved it. Yeah. Their gin, outstanding. Yeah. But I can't get behind this double IPA. Mm. You're just not a double <laughs> IPA guy yet, and that's fair. As much as I'm shitting on this beer, I have to say, I would drink this beer for the rest of my life before I would ever watch Batman and Robin again. <laughs> every day. <laughs> I would drink this beer every day for the rest of my life in a heartbeat. Oh, my God. Yeah, Batman and Robin is so bad. I think 11 is the lowest total I've ever handed out. It's the lowest total possible in our scoring metric. Well, this th- is the seller. We have hit the seller. Technically, two is the lowest scoring metric, isn't it? Nope. Well, because it would be a good movie. It would movie. be a good movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. I um, luckily, next week, we're going to have something different. Uh, next week, we have an audience request. As you know, it's November. And the movie that was requested by one of our listeners, Sweet November, <laughs> starring Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron. It's our first ever romance movie, unless you can't fucking blame it on Rio. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, shit. So Sweet November. Charlize Theron and... and uh, Keanu Reeves. Those are, those are both stars. I normally wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, but coming off Batman and Robin, I'm excited for Sweet November. I may have seen this before. In theaters? Oh, did you take a girl to see Sweet November? I think my wife and I met a woman. And you're still together. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be better than Batman and Robin. Uh... I guess we'll see, though, for you romance fans out there. That'll be next week, though. Um, if you haven't already, please follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at the BNB Podcast. Yeah, please uh, smash that like button. And uh, if you have any suggestions, feel free to slide them into our DMs or send us an email 
thebmbpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You know, like Noel said, hit the like button, share, tell a friend, whatever, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcast. And uh, we will catch you next week for Sweet November. Until then, I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it Clooney. I'd like to. You wouldn't want to, but I would. Oh, fuck that guy. Strength now. Courage always. Family above all.